It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, ArmorAll, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every $20 you spend on ArmorAll products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at ArmorAll.com. ArmorAll, less work, more clean. Terms apply. At Frank Keen Volkswagen, we've got the complete range of fully electric, petrol, diesel, and hybrid Volkswagen cars, and we've got PCP finance from 0% on almost every Volkswagen model in the range. Whatever your needs, we've got you covered. Limited stock available. Visit frankkeenvolkswagen.ie for more information. Finance provided by way of higher purchase agreement from Volkswagen Financial Services Ireland. Subject to lending criteria, terms and conditions apply. See frankkeenvolkswagen.ie. Hello and welcome to another episode of Talking Point, Planet F1's very own podcast. I'm your host, Finney Kraboda, and uh, joining me, as always, to discuss the 2020 Bahrain Grand Prix is uh, Michelle Foster. Well, Michelle, it was, a, it was a bit of a strange race, really, wasn't it, in that uh, the race in itself became, quickly became something of an af- afterthought. Absolutely, Finley. I mean, the entire race was was pretty much one lap, if not even three corners. It was that Roman Grosjean accident was horrific. It it was something I haven't seen in in twenty years covering Formula One. And all we can just say is thank God, thank Halo, and thank the medics that that he escaped from that with with nothing more than burns. I mean, it's. He sat there this morning looking at footage of it, seeing photographs of it, him climbing out of that fire, and you just think, how in heaven's name did he survive that? And there's video of him last night lying in his hospital bed, grinning like an idiot, just, I'm guessing, happy to be alive. And yeah, thank goodness. I mean, he's a dad, a husband, someone's son. It's just, wow, wow. Well done, Formula One. Yeah, yeah, I think that's... um... I mean, that's obviously the biggest, biggest uh, story from the race, really. Uh, I think it's kind of what what needs to be focused on, um, because it was really, in a lot of ways, a triumph for the sport, I think, that, uh, that, that he walked away from it, you know, let alone walked away from it without any kind of injuries. Um, I mean, it, it quickly became pretty clear how, how serious it was, I guess, you know, I think there the TV cameras were kind of focusing on the front of the race, but you just see this huge explosion in the background. Um, 
I don't know. At the start, I was kind of in denial, you know. I thought maybe, I don't know, there'd been an electrical issue that had blown something up. Like, I did not, it didn't go through my head that, oh, that's a driver literally exploding in his car, you know. Um, I mean, when you first saw that, the the, the fire, what, what what were your first thoughts? Yeah, it it wasn't even the fire that was the first thought. Like you say, you sort of, you see the fire in the background while they're focusing on, on the front of the race. And the fact that the cameras didn't immediately go to the go to that fire, they they stuck on the drivers who were still in the race for for a fair little while, um, and you just thought, oh, oh my god, that was just yeah. You know, I will say this for for Formula One and and I think sport in general. You know, when something absolutely horrific happens, no one wants to broadcast that to the world. You first want to know that the people involved are okay. And if they're okay, then then there's kind of then there's free reign. Now you can broadcast it. Now you can show the aftermath or, or what happened, the person surviving it. But for those few seconds when they didn't go straight to that fire, you just thought, "This wow, Formula One is about to wow is is about to be showing another driver dying." You know, it was I like I said, I've never seen a fireball like that from a Formula One car. It was it was absolutely incredible. And Roman Grosjean, his team, his family, everyone on the grid, I mean, I think any Formula One fan, whether you like the chap or not, is just sitting there this morning just going like, thank you, thank you that he's okay. Um, Personally, I think Formula One did a fantastic job covering it. I mean, they made sure first that he was okay before anybody showed even a a second glimpse of that fire. Um, I know Daniel Ricciardo has come out criticizing the fact that they spent an hour and a half watching replays of it on the TV screens. Uh, My argument against that is the drivers could have looked away. I mean, Sebastian Vettel says he didn't look at anything. He he deliberately avoided it, you know? It is unfortunately, I want to say almost the macabre side of it and of being almost a motor racing fan is is a good accident is a good accident as long as the driver walks away and Grosjean walked away the marshals walked away so yeah it was it was mind blowing actually uh, it, Ricardo's argument is a, a difficult one I think you know because I I get it from a driver's perspective that that's not maybe the sort of thing you'd be wanting to see. But like you said, they did wait until they knew Grosjean was okay. Um, and I don't know, I think for a lot of people, I think for me as well, there was kind of a, a comfort in just repeatedly seeing those images of Grosjean kind of, you know, looking like the Terminator climbing through the fire, you know. <laughs> like it, it did feel just completely surreal though. I think that that, that image really... Because I think the first images we saw were just of Grosjean being walked to like the ambulance. And I looked at that and he looked all right. So I thought, oh, he must have, I don't know, maybe got out of the car before the explosion or something. But then we saw those images and he was, I mean, he was sat in that, in the fire for a good half a minute or so um, before he climbed out, which is just, it's just unbelievable, really. Um, I, I think it's probably the biggest accident that Formula One has seen in, in a long time, you know, um, probably since Jules Bianchi's accident where sadly obviously Bianchi lost his life if, if if it happened back then in the same year do you think you know without the halo with the kind of with how the cars were built even as recent as you know five six years ago do you think this is something that uh, Grosjean would still be walking away from 
Most definitely not. I mean, he came out last night himself saying Halo saved his life. And he was one of those people who wasn't a massive fan of it, thinking it was ugly. And now today, I don't know, he might have that framed and put on his wall. It's it's absolutely incredible when you think about the mechanics of what happened in that accident. Everything did what it was supposed to do. Um, the car absorbs a lot of the impact, which is why the, the rear of the car literally sheared off. The halo protected his head in ways that, that we cannot imagine. It is so strong, it splits the barrier. And thank thank the Pope for that, because that's, that's the gap that gave him out. At the same time, I mean, like Formula One drivers, they have to do time tests for getting out of their car and things like that. And here's this guy, he's just had one hell of an impact. He must have been shaken. His car burst into flames. And yet he still kept his wits about him to climb out of that car by himself to do what needed to be done. I mean, um, I think Ian Roberts has come out this morning and he says that uh, that Grosjean's visor was actually melted. I mean, that was that was the heat of the blaze that he was in. So well done to Formula One safety for doing this. I know Vettel has questioned why the barrier split like that, but all we can say is thank what I can say is thank the Pope that the barrier did split like that because that's that's the gap that Grosjean's head went through, you know, thanks to Halo. So, yeah, Formula One did fantastically well. And for him to keep his wits about him in such a moment, the medical car driver, Alan van der Merwe, had them on the scene immediately. Ian Roberts was reaching a hand into the flames to help pull Grosjean out. There was a marshal there within seconds with a, a fire extinguisher. It was pretty much the the perfect end to a horrific accident. Yeah, it really was. It was the response in every way was perfect. Um, yeah, when I first saw it, and you, when you see the car in half, and I think somehow the the half that Grosjean ended up in, like his seat was in the rear end of the car, which he wasn't in. Um, you know, it's just it's unbelievable. But like with like you said, without the halo, that did effectively act as a kind of snowplow to split open that barrier then that would have been his his head there doing the job instead and i don't think i don't think he would have survived that to be honest um obviously you know since it's come since it's been introduced the halo has been hugely divisive uh, like a lot of things in f1 really it's been divisive with the drivers with the fans i think even before this accident that was still the case you know i think it was maybe a bit more popular because um you know we've seen a few crashes where it did help but generally i think it was still pretty divisive but uh looking back in years to come do you think this this will be the moment where kind of it was proved right where everybody got on board with it yeah i think if anyone questions the halo after this they're a right royal idiot Simple as that. It may not be the prettiest thing in life, but, you know, it, it saved a driver's life. And even if this is just the one life that it saved, then well done, Formula One. Yeah, yeah. You can barely bear to think about what would have happened without it. And, yeah, I think this well and truly is the debate over. I mean, you can kind of... You get that consensus kind of on... If you look on social media, uh, if you look on our website on the comments, like... Already, there's very few people against it, um, which, you know, in, in that way, I think it's obviously not a good thing at all that this accident happened. But I think a good thing has come from it um, in that, you know, it's got it's finally 
convince people about the Halo. And I think it's, you know, as always in F1, I think it is going to lead to more safety measures being taken. Um, you know, the incident will be investigated, the barrier will be investigated um and hopefully it'll lead to this sort of thing never happening again because you know the the safety in f1 is is a lot better these days obviously um if, even compared to five years ago let alone you know the the early days of the sport uh but obviously it's it's still not perfect you know i think ross braun himself spoke spoke out he said he was pretty concerned and shocked that uh the car exploded like that pretty concerned that the barrier uh, well that the car split in half like that so yeah i mean like i said there's always an f1 a- accidents do tend to better safety measures being taken and um yeah hopefully that'll be the case again um in terms of Grosjean himself he he somehow came out of it with burnt hands burnt ankles and he thought fractured ribs but then x-rays showed that he doesn't actually have any fractures or broken bones unbelievably but obviously an accident like that does take a mental toll especially on a guy with three kids and only two races left of his career um so uh, do you expect to see him back in the car again next week i have to be completely honest and say if i was his wife um i'd be putting my foot down i mean genuinely the guy formula one's back racing on friday yeah uh the chap has burnt hands he has burnt ankles he has two races left in his Formula One career, and you have literally just watched your husband, the father of your children's life, flash before your eyes. If I was Marion, I, I would I would be saying no. However, he is a race car driver. It's it's what he does. It's part of his makeup. Unfortunately, I think when you when you fall in love with that type of person or that sort of person, someone who does this for a career, you need to understand the risks that come with it. I wouldn't be surprised if we saw Grosjean back in the car in Abu Dhabi, but I think depending on the burn on his hands, I don't think he'll be back in the car this weekend. I can't imagine trying to grip a, a steering wheel or you know, even lift a coffee cup with, with severely burnt hands. So they are apparently going to take the bandages off sometime later today, so he and Haas will both get a look at what exactly they're dealing with. Uh, Gunther Steiner has said it's up to the driver. I mean, injury aside, it also is going to depend on his mental side and where he's at as to whether he races. But the yeah, the decision is going to be purely Roman Grosjean and and Marion whispering in his ear. Yeah, I think um, if it was Grosjean's decision alone, then he probably would. He probably would try and race again next week. And if he was a younger driver, he would. But I don't know. I think a lot of factors, you know, only two races left. He's got three kids, a wife. Um, yeah, like you said, I, I'm the same. If I was his wife, I'd be I'd be asking him not to. But um, I, I think that's probably probably unlikely. And I think if he's physically able to, he'll want to be back in the car. Um, but yeah, like yeah, I struggle to see how that's going to be for next week. And, you know, I, I, I think... It would be nice for him to get a proper ending to his career in the car, on the track. So, yeah, fair enough. You can come back for Abu Dhabi after you've had uh, two weeks off. But, yeah, I think um, nobody would blame him if he if he took the next race in Bahrain off. Um, and I think maybe physically for him and mentally for his family, it would probably be probably be the best uh, the best option for all parties involved, to be honest. Um but yeah, so that was <laughs> that was Grosjean's crash. It was uh, 
yeah, it really was unbelievable in so many ways. And I don't know, I'm just, it's just a good thing that we, we can talk about it on the podcast, knowing that, uh, that it was all okay, I guess, in the end, somehow. Yeah, hopefully it's, we don't see another accident like that for, for a very long time. But, um, yeah, it's good to know that, that if they do happen, at least the cars and the, the medical staff are prepared. And yeah, the the sport has become so safe because, you know, there was a time when that wasn't the case at all. So uh, congrats to Roman for getting out okay. And uh, yeah, hopefully we'll get to see him back in the paddock, if not on the track before the end of the season. Well, yeah, like I said, uh, the, the rest of the race became something of an afterthought. You know, I think um, most people watching did kind of, you know, their thoughts did go back to the crash a lot of the time throughout the race. And after the race, that's everything, you know, all the drivers said, well, it doesn't really matter what actually happened. The main thing is that Roman's okay. Um, but there was still some stuff that happened, so we should talk about it. Um, I think the main thing to look at is uh, the final podium place that ended up with Alex Albon, um, which, I mean, he lucked into it, let's be frank. You know, Sergio Perez retired with about three laps left with an engine failure um but at the end of the album did end up on the podium and i think the big question is michelle what is that enough for him to keep his seat yeah uh even alex has come out this morning saying he lacked into that podium <clears throat> i don't think it's enough for him to keep his seat i am still actually even shocked that red bull are, are playing this game i would have announced sergio perez by now as my second driver Perez was phenomenal in Bahrain. He was running third. He was, I think it was something like six or seven seconds ahead of Alex with four laps to go. Third place was his. There was, I mean, Alex was showing absolutely no sign of even, even trying to challenge for third place. And then, yeah, in a puff of smoke, it all went and Perez retired on the side of the track. Alex took third place. He got to spray the champagne, but as far as I'm concerned, that means nothing. Everybody knows that third place was Sergio Perez's. Uh, even Max Verstappen has said that uh, it's a shame for Perez because he drove a really strong race. Uh, he's questioned Alex's third. I mean, up until the safety car for Perez's retirement, Alex was 30 or 40 seconds behind Max. And even Max has gone, well, that's not very good, is it? Yeah. So well done to him for getting P3. But if this actually if this actually cements his drive for next season, then I think Red Bull are making a huge mistake. But it's theirs to make, unfortunately. Yeah, and um I don't I there's a part of me that thinks this is the excuse Helmet Marco was looking for to be able to keep Albon, to be honest. Um because it does seem like, from all reports, they do suggest that it's him that really wants to keep Albon because, I don't know, maybe it's a pride thing. He doesn't want to have to look outside his own young driver program. Um, and, you know, that's reflected in the method that the team has taken. You know, I think at one point they said, you know, we want to make a decision before the final five races or so. And then Albon wasn't very good at that point. So they said, "Okay, fine. We're going to give him. We're going to give him to the very end of the season now to make a decision." You know, they they really have given him every chance that he's gotten. And yeah, I mean, maybe this is a thing that they were looking for to be able to justify giving him the seat. But ultimately, like you said, it was not. It wasn't deserved. Um, I mean, before Perez retired, Albon really he'd been about five seconds behind Checo for the entire race. Um, 
in a quicker car without any incidents, without any pit stop issues or anything, without much traffic compared to Perez. I mean, yeah, it really was fair and square between the two. And Perez won fair and square pretty easily. But yeah, that's F1, I guess, you know, that's uh, that's what happens sometimes. Um, you know, you mentioned Verstappen was uh, pretty critical of Albon getting that podium, um, saying it's not particularly impressive. Um from his perspective, who do you think he'd want to see driving next to him next year? Because on one hand, you've got Perez, who I think everybody knows is a better driver than Albon. Um, and he's someone that could help Verstappen out in the fight against Mercedes. But then he's also someone that would be a tougher teammate for Verstappen to beat. Uh, whereas Albon is the the easy number two that Max can, uh, you know, get beat 15-0 in qualifying after 15 races of the season. Um, yeah, so from his perspective, which one do you think he'd prefer to drive alongside him? I think Max is so arrogant that he would want Perez in that car because he firmly believes that he can beat whoever his teammate is, without a doubt. No question, no nothing. He will come out tops no matter who you put in the car alongside him. So I think he would like Perez there. He he would like to prove that he can do that. He would like a teammate who can take the, the second place on the podium away from Mercedes, that it lands up being one Mercedes and two Red Bulls in the top three. Yeah, he's he's got that level of arrogance to him. And I think he also knows that if he wants to be the best in Formula One, he needs to race against the best. He needs a teammate who will push him, not only push the development of the car, but push his development as well. And that person's not going to be Alex Albon, unfortunately. No matter how much Helmut Marco wants it to be, that's not it. They need Perez in that car if they want to challenge Mercedes come 2022 for the world titles. Yeah, I think as well they have to, bear, they have to take into account Verstappen's own performances because you hear drivers say so much how they how they raise their game you know when they've got a teammate challenging them um Ricardo and Verstappen said it about the other all the time when they drove alongside each other at Red Bull you know they both said oh yeah he makes me a much better driver you know because he makes me drive at 110 percent um and I do wonder if without that Verstappen's gonna you know maybe get a bit complacent maybe drop off a bit um because it's been it's been a long time since he's had a teammate challenging him in any way whatsoever now you know Ricardo left uh, at the end of 2018 and then he said Gasly and Albon who have just yeah both been nowhere near him i mean this season he's beaten Albon in every qualifying session and he hasn't finished behind Albon in a race that he has finished you know the only times Albon's beaten him on Sundays is when Verstappen's retired um so yeah i think if Red Bull were being logical here, not being emotional, then I think Perez or maybe Nico Hulkenberg would already be already have signed the contract, you know, because yeah, it's better it's better in the fight against Mercedes, it's better for Verstappen, it's better to keep hold of P two because that might not be a guarantee next year with McLaren getting Mercedes engines and Aston Martin coming into play. So I think yeah, I think everybody's in agreement that the be- better decision would be would be for them to sign up Perez or Hulkenberg. But um, I don't know. For me, it, it feels like... I'm not sure why. It feels like Albon's going to stay. Um, what do you think? Do you do you get that feeling too? Or, or do you still... Can you still see Perez ending up there? 
that Red Bull keep extending the deadline, that Red Bull keeps saying we're backing Alex, we're backing Alex, we're backing Alex. Unfortunately, I think everyone's almost become resigned to the fact that it's going to be Alex in the car next season. And yeah, I, like I said, I think they're making the right call. Yeah, um, one of the Sky commentators was saying on Friday, well, even if they do decide to keep Alex in the car for next season, they they will still have it in their back of the mind all the time that Sergio Perez is available and that if Alex doesn't perform after a couple of races, he can be dropped for Perez. But I, I really think that's unfair on Alex. You know, uh, you're putting immense pressure on his shoulders if that's the situation and that's how it's going to continue. I think they need to make a decision before the end of the season or at the end of the season, change their lineup for next year, put Perez in the car, put Alex back in the Alpha Tori, give him a chance to see what he can do against Pierre Gasly, and then let's and then let's make a decision for 2022. I mean, maybe another year back in the junior team will be exactly what Alex needs to find his feet again. Maybe they'll realize that Pierre Gasly is actually a little shining star. Or who knows, maybe Sergio Perez will absolutely destroy Max Verstappen. But either way, Perez deserves to be in that car next season. Alex, on his performances, does not. And I think as well, uh, Red Bull, they should really be taking this opportunity because things at Mercedes, I mean, obviously Lewis Hamilton is as good and dominant as ever. But um, Valtteri Bottas is kind of proving to be a real chink in the armour, you know. Um, I think Verstappen's only eight or nine points behind him in the in the standings now uh, after Bottas in a pretty uninspiring drive to get to P8, uh, recovery drive to get to P8. And I mean, you do just think if there's two drivers at Verstappen's level, then, you know, there could be two Red Bull drivers at least being able to beat one Mercedes constantly. Um, and then if you've got reliability issues for Hamilton or something... You know, it can turn into a title battle, whether in the drivers or constructors. Um, and it just seems it seems crazy that they've got that opportunity to have two really world class drivers, um, and they they might not take it. Which, uh, yeah, I think it'd be a real shame for Perez and for the sport as a whole because he does bring a lot to the sport on and off track. So yeah, I mean, I really hope it's Perez, or I really hope it's Hulkenberg, because um, I think it would just be. It'd be more exciting, I think, for, for the Red Bull battle, for the battle with Mercedes. Um, and they both simply deserve a seat, to be honest. Um, just taking a quick look at Bottas, you know, obviously I mentioned him. Yeah, he finished down in P8 after. He, he did get a bit of bad luck, you know, he got a puncture. But uh, I think the way in which he made his way through the field after that was... Yeah, it wasn't impressive. It's not going to do him many favours in terms of the people who say he can't overtake particularly well. He's obviously... he's much closer to Verstappen than he is to Hamilton in the standings um and after Hamilton won the title you kind of thought maybe he'd he'd let his level drop a bit and Bottas would kind of dominate the last few races um but I guess Hamilton's maybe learned his lesson from 2015 where he let Rosberg do that and Rosberg took that momentum into the following season which he ended up winning um I mean how important do you think it is for Bottas to kind of end this year on a high ahead of next season I think Bottas has to end the season on a high because otherwise Mercedes are really going to be scratching their chins as to wondering why the hell they kept him again. You know, like you said, in previous seasons, Hamilton took his foot off the gas after he won the world title. Uh, this time around, he, he said after his pole position that he felt free. He, he felt relief. He felt like 
now that he's won the title, I mean, this is number seven that he's just won. He, he could actually just relax. And and by relaxing, he stormed to pole position for, for the Bahrain Grand Prix and then took a win, a completely unchallenged win. I mean, there was a time when Max was three seconds behind him, but let's be honest, there, there was no chance of Max actually catching and beating him to the race win. Yes, Valtteri did have bad luck, puncture on lap three or lap four, I think after the second restart. But you just he's just not on the same level as Lewis or even Max. Um, I'd argue he's hes having a bit of a Sebastian Vettel season to some respect. Um, I mean, yeah, I do driver ratings and Vettel, Albon, Bottas <laughs> pretty consistently getting the lowest ratings. Um, and I think Bottas in particular that reflects badly on because he should be at least cruising in P2 every race with how dominant the car is. Um, but yeah, two races left. I guess if he can win both of those, it'll do his confidence the world a good. And maybe he can take that into next season and we can finally have a good title fight again. Because, I mean, 2018 was the last one, really. And even even that ended up being wrapped up pretty quickly after Vettel kind of just collapsed. Um, yeah, that's pretty much everything from that strange, strange race. The sort of race hopefully we won't see again for a long time. And like I said, there's two more left to go this season. Uh, the first one is next week. We're staying in Bahrain for it. And yeah, it's fair to say it's going to be a pretty unique one with, uh, with the out- outer track kind of oval-shaped layout being used. Yeah, it's, I think it's going to be an interesting one. Um, in fact, I'll be completely honest and say what's got me most excited for next weekend's race is, is the Formula 2 title showdown taking place on a track that's less than a minute a lap. I think that one's going to be an absolute thriller. Uh, Formula One, I'm expecting absolute chaos in qualifying. I mean, the drivers are going to trip over each other. Uh, I think it's one of those situations where no matter how many rules the FIA lay down for them for minimum lap times and stuff, there's going to be carnage on Saturday. So here's hoping that gives us a, a mixed up grid for the Sunday race, just to add a little bit more excitement to it. Uh, but yeah, at the end of the day, the the oval race in Bahrain, that's that's pretty much all about the Formula 2 title. That's going to be a humdinger. Yeah, and there's, um, well, there are three drivers involved in that that look pretty set to be on the F1 grid next year. Um, obviously, Mick Schumacher's leading it. I think Mazepin is now P3 in the standings. Um, and Yuki Tsunoda's just about still within, uh, still in with the shot, mathematically at least. So, yeah, there's, I think um, there'll be a lot of people within the sport in F1, uh, a lot of team bosses and stuff watching up for that as well. But yeah, it should be a good one, like I said, completely unique. And um, yeah, there's, uh, it's going to be a sub-minute lap. There's pretty much four proper corners effectively, so there's very little time to kind of gain and lose time. Which yeah should be interesting. Like you said, hopefully it'll give us a it'll give us a mixed up grid. Well, uh, that obviously that's uh, next week, and then the Abu Dhabi Grand Prix the week after that. So uh, yeah, sadly getting getting close to the end of the season, but uh, well, I've got a few races left at least. Um, well, Michelle, thanks as always for coming on. It's always a pleasure, Finley. Um, as I said, just grateful today that Roman Grosjean is fine, and uh, here's hoping we see him back on the grid before the end of the season. Yeah, here's hoping, here's hoping. Um, as always, thanks to, to everyone for listening to the podcast. Um, and I think, you know, we do have to end it by giving a particular shout out to the to the medical staff um, and the track staff that 
made sure Roman Grosjean got out of that car um, and got got to a hospital to get treatment and um, yeah, ended up okay. Obviously, it's never a nice thing to see that kind of crash, but uh, well, as the saying goes, all's well that ends well. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next week. Bye. Don't miss a moment of the sunshine this summer. Order your weekly shop online today with Super Value Online Shopping. Barbecue meats, treats and so much more. Ready to kick and collect at your local Super Value store. Order before 12 noon for same day collection. Believe in a summer to savour with Super Value Online Shopping. Sports Social Podcast Network. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BGW group. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.